Listener Production. Hello, my name is Jamila Rizvi and welcome to this special series of The Weekend Briefing, where I talk to some of my favourite guests, old and new, about a single fascinating subject. Over two months, we've been hearing from singers, writers, models, actors and changemakers on topics as diverse as the interview subject themselves. Today, you'll hear from Milo Hartill on body. Milo is a model, actress and self-proclaimed fat diva. She's joined me to talk about fat acceptance in the medical profession, the fashion industry's token attempts at size inclusivity and why fat phobia is alive and well in Australia. Hey, Milo, welcome to the Weekend Briefing. Hey, Jam. Thanks. Oh, I am so damn thrilled to have you here. Can I call you Jam? I've just kind of assumed oh, that. I please. just went, Jam. It's a cute nickname. Milo and Jam. Come on. I, I know. I, I feel like we could be, I don't know, like in a cute a cute animal movie maybe. Absolutely. Or, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of merchandising opportunities for what we're about to create. So welcome, Great. everyone, to the beginning of Milo and Jam's uh, launch. Uh, it's an unofficial Woo! launch, but it's going to be special. I want to start with your Instagram, firstly, because it's the it's where I felt like I got to know you before I got to meet you and see you performing live. Tell me about the choice of the handle, The Fat Diva, because we are talking about bodies today and that feels like a good place to start. It was like a joke that kind of stuck. <laughs> um, my friend Eloise Ethos, she's a comedian, she's very funny, um, and she did a bit during COVID lockdown that was her pretending to be an ex-dancer for the AFL Grand Final where famously the dancers don't get paid um, and you're just they're just doing it for the honour of having done it and it was a satire piece where she was like, yeah, like I didn't actually get any money or like like any like financial reimbursement, but like I just walk up to places and I tell them that I that I did the grand final and they give me stuff for free. <laughs> um, and then it was her going up to places and saying that and them going, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was very funny. And I shared it and then I commented on some of the AFL's Instagrams, like pay your dancers, especially during COVID. I was like, yeah, entertainers are not working anywhere at all. And then you're like, come dance, have the honour of dancing for us where we earn millions a year, but we will not be paying you. So I commented that and I commented it on some players like leaving post and then the swarm of AFL oh, mask wow. cishet men found my Instagram and were like, you know, some of the comments were pretty intense. Um, like you're a fatty and you should kill yourself. That one, I was like, oh wow, that's so. <laughs> said, why are you? Why are you so pressed that I'm fat? Calm down. But I got a lot of you're a fat bitch. You're a fat bitch. You're a fat bitch. You're a fat bitch. You should lose some weight, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, do these men not know that I know? Like I know. I'm. Is this is not new information? It became a bit of a joke to me because I would then screenshot my faves. I had like faves of the day of the hate that I would receive if they got a bit entertaining. So then I was like, how do I like, like I don't want to reply to them because I don't want to give them that gratification, but how do I like let them know that they've already lost the battle before they've even started? And then I just changed my Instagram handle to that fat bitch and then 
you know, being an influencer and doing my, like I do a lot of kids voiceovers and kids stuff. And I was like, well, I can't have bitch in my handle. So what do I do? And then me and my friends just, we become obsessed with words and then like it becomes like a part of our friendship group law. And diva was the word of the moment at that time. And I went, oh, that fat diva, that's what I'm going to do. And then it became my brand. (laughs) That's who you are. I love it. I love it. But I listened to that story and I love the fact that you are someone who was able to almost water off a duck's back that level of hate. That is Mm -hmm. not necessarily something I think most of us are capable of doing. Fat is a descriptive word Mm -hmm. and yet we have decided that it's an insult, Mm -hmm. whether it's being hurled as abuse or whether it's being used far less insidiously where, you know, it's, it's, it's someone of my mum's generation saying, oh, no, 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 don't call someone fat, that's mean. Yeah. When really it's like saying I have long hair. It's a reality. It's not a plus or a minus. How did we get there? That's a big question. But how do you think we ended up at a place where a descriptor became an insult? Well, I mean, unfortunately, Eurocentric beauty standards, like, Mm. you know, you look back in history and having extremely white skin and being fat was a marker of wealth because it meant that you could stay inside all the time and that you were able to eat fully And then you skip forward to, you know, 20 years ago when it was being extremely skinny and being tanned because that meant that it was another marker of wealth where it meant that you could only eat organic food and work out all the time and have time to do that and can go out in the sun and be a tan person, as long as it's a white tan person, not not one of those plebeian blacks or anything like that. Um... I can't wait for someone to pull that out of context, but keep it in. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that everything that affects us as a society comes from either the patriarchy or white supremacy. And I feel like fat phobia and white supremacy and like trying to make the black POC First Nations body seem like what the, the furthest thing from what you want to aspire to be has definitely had a intrinsic link to why fat is now something or not skinny is something that you do not want to be and that, mm. you know, we're fed this narrative of like, you know, in the media fat people are represented badly and until maybe 10 15 years ago, fat people weren't really models and fat people weren't really in ads or if they were in the media or they were in things, it was playing the jealous neighbour or the jealous best friend or the butt of the joke or, you know, the girl that never finds love until she loses weight and then finally something about her that has changed means that she's lovable now. And I think all of that feeds into why fat is now deemed an insult. I think there's a globalization factor there as well, right? When you yeah. when you talk about the intersection with with race. I'm a, you know, I'm a part Indian woman and I remember probably maybe 15 years ago traveling back to India with my dad and seeing extended family there and the cry from a lot of family who didn't have a lot of English words but was constantly, "Oh, she's so fair, she's so chubby." And 
those two phrases were phrases of respect. Like, they, you know, that was praise, whereas both of those things at the time certainly being tanned was in in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so being tanned and being thin was what I was being told to aspire to living at home and then suddenly I'm I'm over there and the opposite is being praised, 15 years on, that would not be the case. No. Like I've certainly seen India's beauty standards start to move closer and closer and closer to Western beauty standards and that applies to bodies as well. So tell me about your experience of being on catwalks and of being a model when you are still living and working in a society that says thin and white is best, what does that feel like? Does it feel scary? Does it feel empowering? Does it feel special? I think I'm at a really nice point at the moment where I'm just really empowered by, you know, I, I like to when I'm having these big moments from for my career and getting to do mm. catwalks and runways, like I try really hard to think about myself when I was younger and, you know, I feel like that inner child thing has some weight for me of like, wait, get it? Anyway. <laughs> She's brought the zingers, everyone. She's brought the zingers. No matter how deep or serious I'm talking, my brain is always going, where's the joke, where's the joke, where's the joke? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm at a point now where that obviously I'm working in a fat phobic society and, you know, the arts and modelling and fashion industries are they're, they're taking slow steps towards progression. But I just feel really honoured. Like I'm my mum and grandparents' generation's like wildest dreams and... Mm you know, even my own to a certain extent, like there are the amount of messages and DMs I get of people like, you know, I saw you do X, Y, Z and I realised that I am, I am allowed to go out in a bathing suit and I am, I can't, I, it doesn't matter what other people think. If I think I look nice in this bikini, I'm going to go out in it. And I think that the payoff is more than the negatives when it comes to putting myself out there as a model. I feel like when I watched you, I'm not good with, I'm not a fashion person, but when I (laughs) saw pictures and video of you walking at Australian Fashion Week, I think it was for Romance Was Born, Mm. and it was like an otherworldly beauty. Like it felt like beyond what we should be capable of here on earth between you and the clothes but also not just what you looked like, but what you were bringing to what you were doing. There was such a strength and such a power. And Thank you. Oh, mate, like, bravo you. And it was such a flip of the plus-size clothing that I think most of us think of when we hear that term because we think mm-hmm. of these terrible shops with horribly designed clothes that no one wants to wear I want to wear a floral dress and a say lovey oversized shirt. No, we do not. What? No one wants to wear these things. No <laughs> one. No one. The only people wearing them are because they haven't been able to find anything else. You don't want to wear a polka dot peplum skirt? What? <laughs> so I suppose my question is what needs to happen to bring 
the kind of incredible clothes you are wearing on catwalks, some version of that to mainstream affordable shops for the average person who is going out and trying to dress a plus size body, but still wants to look cool. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the power here is in the vendors and manufacturers hands, Mm. unfortunately. But I think you know, as is my response when I'm talking about diversity and inclusion, like I, I did a sp- uh, panel a few weeks ago and they were like, you know, how do we how do we make it happen? I'm like, when there is something good, like post about it and make sure other mm. plus-size people know so that that stock sells out and the brand goes, oh, wow, when you supply nice things for people who haven't had it before, it's going to, like the biggest way, unfortunately, in this capitalist society we live in to get brands and people to realise anything, anything at all, mm. is by lining their pockets. And I'm going, if you give us something that is nice and is affordable and that people want to buy, it will sell out. I'm like, by shutting us out of the market, it's actually making your pockets more shallow. Like bad business. I mean, there's a reason that people around the world aren't huge fans of Kim Kardashian and the body standards that she has, you know, had a big role in upending and beginning and setting trends in. But there's a reason that Skims is doing so well and it's because their freaking sizes are huge. Like they've got so many options there. Yeah. And like even the diva, the number one diva in I feel like the body image issues battle realizes that having clothes for fat people means that she's going to be made more wealthy. Yeah. Cause it goes back to, you know, I, I've worked in women's media for, for a while now and certainly I think it's, it's moved on a little bit now, but for a long time, the buzzword was aspirational. The clothes has to be aspirational. The homes and the furnishings have to be aspirational. The people have to be aspirational. And the early days of starting to talk about, well, why don't we have more diversity on our catwalks? Why don't we have more diversity in advertising uh, when it comes to body size? A lot of the pushback from marketers and media was, well, the whole idea is that these people are absolutely beautiful. It is an aspiration. It's not what everyone's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember saying, I didn't ask you to put someone who's unattractive on the cover of your magazine. Keep with the beautiful people. I get that it's an it's a you know it's your job as a model is to be professionally beautiful. But why does being professionally beautiful mean you have to be professionally thin? The second bit doesn't necessarily link to the first bit. No. And as well, I think like people's perception of thin is so, I mean, it is aspirational because people's ideas of thin are almost unachievable. Mm. Like, mm. no, literally in, in terms of like people and things being photoshopped and, you know, manipulated before it even gets to the public. But like, you know, I remember when Ashley Graham popped off and, like, no hate or shade to her. I think she's freaking beautiful. And what she did do in that size inclusion space, you know, definitely chipped forward. But I look at her now and I look at her then and I remember being like, whoa, she really is big compared to the other models. And I'm like, she's still, like, a size 12 or 14. Yeah. Like, I don't know. In my mind, that is not plus size. Like, that is... Sure, she had big boobies and a big bum, but 
the flattest tummy I've ever seen in my life. Like I'm going, our standards of thinness are just ridiculous. Like, Mm. and, you know, people are lauding her, you know, in like, I feel like in like 2013, 2014 is like the first beautiful plus size model that we've seen on our, and I'm thinking to myself like at the time at like 12 or 13, like, wow, I'm already bigger than this adult woman. <laughs> like, damn, I've got no hope of ever being beautiful yeah. because I am a child and I'm already bigger than this woman being lauded as the biggest, most beautiful woman alive. I think I'm perceived as being in the body positive space because I love myself so much, but I'm like, oh, it's not because my body. I just think I'm really cool. (laughs) Um, My body is also really hot as well, but like it's not. But I think I'm more of the mind that I'm in the body, radical body acceptance space because I'm like, it doesn't matter how you feel about your own body, everybody should, or how others feel about their own body, everyone should just respect each other and whatever they choose to do with their body and move on. I feel like lo- loving yourself is great. And I mean, if I can influence more people to be like, wow, I'm hot, even though I'm not a size zero mm. or I'm hot and I am a size zero. I, th- I think the issue here is like people not seeing other people as people deserving of respect because of how they look. And that is just so mm. messed up. Mm. And it just, it baffles me that people are like all fat people are lazy and don't work and don't work out. And Mm. I'm Mm. like, that's, it's just simply not true. That's probably the most pervasive proxy, right? Which is fat as a, as a proxy for health, which Mm -hmm. sometimes it is, but sometimes thinness is a proxy for health. But we know that there are huge deviations in human bodies. And at what point of someone's body is healthy is very different to what point someone else's body is healthy. And you can't tell how healthy someone is by looking at them. And if I take that even further, I don't think anyone owes us being healthy either. Like it's your body. I think about when I was at my skinniest and I was not eating. I just was very poor in first year and very depressed. So I just was like, I'm not, I just can't be bothered going out food shopping and I don't have the money. So I was eating like maybe a cheese toasty every couple of days and that was tiding me over. And I remember everyone being like, you look incredible. You look so good, Milo. And like I went home to like, I love my family and I, you know, I I understand that they are functioning in the same capitalist and fat phobic society as me and everyone in my family being like, you look so good. Look at you in a bikini. So you're like, no, no, no. And, but me you know, me lapping that up because I was like 18, 19 and like who doesn't love compliments? But then like finally the following year having enough money to be able to eat and, you know, live my life and getting bigger again and, you know, those compliments going away and me being like, wow, it's crazy to me that like Mm. I'm being celebrated for being too poor and too depressed to eat. Like that's really sad. I think the the ultimate frontier when it comes to fat phobia and, and bodies is the medical profession. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, no, we've got to talk about that. Um, 
but it, it it is true. I know I know countless people who have had the experience of bringing a legitimate concern to a doctor and the legitimate concern being missed, ignored, downplayed because the doctor has only seen their weight and assumed that that meant something about their health. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we know that there are poorer health outcomes for fat people purely because of the medical profession missing things Yep, because they haven't gone looking in the same way. I'm interested to know whether or not that's something you've observed in your own life. And Absolutely. <laughs> if we've got doctors, nurses listening right now, what you'd want them to know in order to be better at their jobs. I have asthma. I've had asthma my whole life. And I remember in first year, the first time I like actually fully realised like, oh, this doctor just refuses to give me the help I need because I'm fat. And I, Melbourne weather, I'm from Perth. I'm used to a warm tropical heat. And I came to Melbourne and Melbourne winter hit Oh, me. Melbourne. We're the asthma capital of the world. It's We ruin everybody. Up. I like, yeah, it was bad. I had, I was just chest infections. It was madness. And I got to the point where I had one chest infection for two months and I was like, okay, I've got to go to the doctor, which I mean, I feel like most people would have gone earlier than that, but I tried to avoid going to the doctor as much as I could because I didn't like it. They go in, I'm like, hey, man, like I need steroids, I think. I've got chest infection. And this is also the same era as me being mucho skinny for my body because I was not eating. And the doctor was like, I'm sorry, it would, it would go against my medical integrity to prescribe you um, steroids because it will make you bigger than you already are. So you're going to have to lose weight if you want steroids. And I was like, you want me to wow. exercise more than I already am? with asthma and a chest infection in the heart of Melbourne winter while I'm not eating. Girl, it doesn't get skinnier wow. than this. And I went home and, like, I had a full-on, like, meltdown. I was just like, I'm not going to be able to get the medication that I need right now. And then I just ended up, like, like my friends were like, just go to another doctor. There'll be another doctor that is not fatphobic. But, like... Within like a week, I was better, tip top, went back to uni and was fine. But I just like, it was baffling to me. And I understand that there are like, you know, but if like the other, the options for me in that moment were die of an asthma attack in my sleep because I have a chest infection or take steroids for a week, risk maybe gaining like what, a kilo or two. How much weight are you really going to gain in one week on steroids, changing nothing else about your lifestyle? Yeah. I was truly, truly baffled. If we treat people in that way, we create more danger for people's health, right? Absolutely. I'm so sorry that that was your experience. I am so sorry. Milo, this is, it's been such a good chat and I could talk to you for hours, but I know I'm, I know I'm already over time and I'm, I'm being badly behaved. So I, no. I'm going to finish with this question. You are a queer person and I have seen you on stage talking about pride and not just the concept of pride but the feeling of pride mm-hmm. and I was hoping you'd talk to me a little bit about how we take that concept how we borrow that from queer brothers and sisters and apply it to bodies mm-hmm. 
it is about celebrating yourself and each other. I, I talk about this a lot, but I had a huge shift in my perception of my own body when I unfollowed a bunch of people that I mm. deemed aspirational that were mm. literally unattainable to me, like, um, and then started following a bunch of fat, black, queer um, people on the internet. And I was like, that, and I was like, I set myself the parameter that I had to really like them and I had to think that they were hot. And it just changed my perception completely of, you know, women, what is beautiful, myself. And, you know, I think that that does come down to like, I feel like the queer community is great at celebrating each other and like, a win for one person in the queer community is a win for all of us because it's like, see, gay people are not whatever you're assigning to the queers and, you know, we can do X, Y, Z. And I just think that if we did the same thing for fat people and body positive people, I mean, not just fat people, but I feel like fat phobia is what leads to negative body image in fat Mm. and thin people. I think that's as well something that I think, sorry, this is like a big jump back to a few questions ago, but I think like people need to realise that fat phobia does not just affect fat people. Yeah, I love that. We live in an age where we get to curate the kind of media and photographs and videos and of people that we see because most of us are doing it through our devices. So mm-hmm. why not curate it so that you can start to train your brain to lose some of that fat phobic thinking and start to embrace a whole wide range of beauty that exists in the world. Milo, thank you so much for being my guest on this very special series of The Weekend Briefing. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm so happy to have been able to be here. Thank you. That's it for my conversation with Milo Hartill. I really encourage you to go and follow Milo on Instagram. Uh, You will find her at thatfatdiva. She is incredible as well as clearly professionally beautiful. And if you want to make sure you never miss an episode of The Weekend Briefing or indeed The Weekday Briefing, then the best thing for you to do is to go and download the Listener app and you can follow us there. You can also follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back bright and early on Monday morning where Tom Tilly and the team will have the latest headlines straight to your headphones. Listener.